I'm Lovey Jai Jones, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author, a speaker, professional troublemaker, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in episode 240 of Chasing Dreams. Guys, I have a good one for you today. I am here with New York Times bestselling author, Lovey Ajayi-Jones. Now, some of you may remember Lovey has been on the show previously in episode 58 to promote her book, I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual. Well, she's here on the show, one, to kick off, help us kick off Black History Month. And in honor of that, I want to share her story and help her promote her second book, Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual. When I heard about the second book and what it was going to be about, I knew, I knew it was going to be mandatory reading for all dream chasers, right? She has a, she's not only a New York Times bestselling author, but she is also a TED speaker with 5.5, over 5.5 million views of her TED talk, Get Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, which is required viewing for any dream chaser. We'll have links for all of those in the show notes. You guys are going to love this conversation. We had a lot of fun and we touched on a number of topics that I want to share with you. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, without further ado, here's Lovey. Hey, Lovey, thank you so much for joining us to kick off Black History Month and just honoring us by sharing your story with the world today. Glad to be here. So I'm excited because the last time you were here, it was actually episode 58 of Chasing Dreams. And now we are at episode 240. Wow. It's been four years. You came on just as your first book was launching. You were on a book tour. And now the book was a huge success, guys. Um, Award winners, New York Times bestseller number five. The next one's going to be even higher than that. Just wait. Amen. Um, Number one, Washington Post bestseller, right? Goodreads Choice Award winner, Red House, Red Book Award winner, Good Housekeeping Award winner, just winners all over the place. Besides the book, though, there's a lot of things that have changed for you. I mean, I was I was looking at it in preparation for this and we got the book came out. You got married. You had your own social platform and community, right? Love Nation. You created and co-founded the Share the Mic Now movement a global movement your ted talk randoms and randomness rants and randomness which is now professional troublemaker podcast yeah jesus and jaloff and you started the do better academy and the ted talk which has over five and a half million views today yeah i've done a lot (laughs) (laughs) it but So the last time you were on the show, one of the things we talked about is where your future was, what your trajectory was going to be. And one thing you said was you don't really try to put too much into it. You kind of let the universe unfold upon itself and kind of guide you where it is. 
Well, that's a heck of a ride in four years. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Is it one that you, you ever saw coming? Did you have inklings? Maybe not of all of it, but this could be something. This could be something as it was unfolding. That's interesting because I'm typically, I kind of like set things and forget it. So mm-hmm. I actually, the moment I'll say something about something that I want, I'd I forget unless it's some like a major thing. Like I want to be a New York Times bestseller, but yeah, it's kind of crazy to see what has happened in these four years. And it's never that, I mean, what's funny is I don't plan out my results. Like I actually don't plan out like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to launch this thing. I usually have an idea of like things I kind of want to do just because I know it'll be fun or it's just in my purview of something that I will find interesting. And I have it in my head a lot and I'll say, you know, I want to do this one day and I'll just kind of leave it at that. And then a couple of years later, I realize I've done that thing without even remembering that I'd first said it. But yeah, these last four years have been a ride. Like I definitely didn't plan share the mic now as a, a, a campaign that would take over social media so much. Like we wanted it to take up social media. We didn't realize it was going to do all of that. Crazy. Like, Crazy. It was nuts. So again, I think, I think one thing that I still do that I did four years ago when I was on the show is I let the universe take me where I need to go. And I have slight ideas where I want to go, but then I just let it go. And I just let it unfold in however way it happens. And what that does is it leaves me open to being surprised in the best way. One of the things I love about you, though, is you are about service. Share the Mic is an example. The Do Better Academy is an example. Love Nation is an example, right? Where you've provided a safe space for people to help at one another, help each other, and kind of build progress. And it's a testament to what you've said also in the last show, but also in your TED Talk. And yeah. one of the things that can happen when they see someone in a spotlight like you is we can often put them on a pedestal. Yeah. And you have said before on social media, at least, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody to put on a pedestal. Don't, don't do that. What is it about people? Because I think because we put you on the pedestal and people are like, oh, Lovey's un- untouchable. I can't get to her, you know, or she's doing amazing things. It's extraordinary what she's doing. I could yeah. never do that. I could never be that. Why do you think that people think that way? Yeah, I think it's because, you know, when you think about the hero's journey, they they see people with platforms as heroes. But what you're missing is the journey to get to that place, like the, the struggles and the grind. And I think people tend to idealize something because they think it looks a certain way now without really understanding that it looks a certain way now because of the grind in the past and some of the grind that's happening now. And I always tell people, yeah, like don't put people on pedestals because they're just going to knock off it. Nobody can stay standing on a pedestal. Nobody. You'll get tired. You will mess up. So people get set up for failure by being placed on pedestals. If you, if you put people in hero status, you're not, not allowing them to be flawed individuals. You're not allowing them to be people who are learning out loud, just like you. They just happen to have a lot more people who know their names than you. And I always, what's funny is people think I'm so inaccessible in that I've seen posts 
on social media of somebody being like, hey, does anybody know how to get in contact with Lovey? I'd love to ask her this thing. Meanwhile, I'll see the post because a friend will send me the post and I'll be laughing because I'm like, you know, I actually have a contact form on every single website that I have, literally a contact form that says, email me. And people still think, no, surely that's not how I'm going to be able to get in contact with her. I read every single email that comes into my platform and I might not even be able to respond because too many, but it's actually not that hard to get in contact with me, but it's fascinating that people just automatically think I am super hard to contact. Odds are we have somebody in common who can be like, hey, I have a friend who now I might sometimes say no because boundaries and capacity, but I'm not like I'm not locked behind some type of like castle or some type of iron gate. I'm super accessible, probably more accessible than most people. Yeah. And at the risk of normalizing you for some people out there who are uh, fangirling, fanboying about you, you're just like us. I, yes. I, I'm sorry, guys. I had to say it. I, yes. she's, she's a regular person. Yes. <laughs> Actual, factual, regular as hell. Just and I, and I try to and I try to make sure people understand that. Like, that's part of the reason why I even share the journey is that I know what happens after you get to a certain level of success. People start projecting certain things on you. They start projecting all types of things on you and they forget you're a human. So I'm always like, listen, I'm showing the whole process because it's not a magic wand that you like tap that all of a sudden gets you to the level up. It is a constant work in progress. Constant. And it's 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 funny because we're so busy idolizing people or putting them on pedestals that it's like that same energy you just used. You can be on your own journey just like them. Yes. Yes. And I always, you know, I want people to be gentle with themselves too, in that, like, I don't think people who have platforms are extraordinary people. Like they were not born extraordinary. They were not born with like gold dust around them. I find that what happens is when ordinary people do extraordinary things over and over again, then they become extraordinary people. But like, they're ordinary people. They just did a lot of really cool things. And that perspective is needed because also when you think you're not like them because they're somehow more special than you, you think that your troubles are different from theirs. You think their thought process is so different from yours. You might beat yourself up because you're like, why haven't I made it to this point? And I'm just like, yo, a lot of us who are here, we're, we're not overnight successes We've been doing the thing that we're known for for a decade or two. Like I've been blogging for 18 years at this point, 18, like half my life. And those people are not any more special than you are. They just happen to do the same thing over and over again. And people noticed. And guys, that's the secret sauce almost is that they had the courage. And we're going to talk about that because I think your book is going to be phenomenal because it's based on your TED talk and your TED talk was just required watching for people who are chasing their dreams. So the book, guys, is required reading for people who want to chase their dreams. And I think you you talk about a subject that is what holds so many of us back. And we're going to get to that. But I just want you guys to know the secret sauce is going to be talked about today. So prepare for that. That's that's coming. 
But before we go there, I wanted to talk about something you do, which I was very impressed by before before you got married. Solo vacations. Can we just talk about solo vacations and why you how you were comfortable to do it? Why you you decided to do it? Because I think sometimes we depend our happiness on other people that it's foreign to think about you went by yourself on a vacation. So what was why was that important for you? So all of that happened on my 30th year of life. Like when I turned 30, I decided that that year I was going to stop waiting for permission for certain things. I was going to stop being afraid of everything and not doing what I wanted to do. I, that year was significant because I literally made the commitment to myself. It wasn't like I said it out loud to anybody, but to myself, I said, I'm going to do things that scare me. And one of those things was going on a vacation myself. I'm usually surrounded by friends and when I was about to turn 30, three days before I turned 30, which was my birthday is January 5th. And I remember being like, I want to be on vacation on my birthday, on my 30th birthday. And I realized, ah, it's too short of notice. If I wanted to get people to come with me, it's too short notice. And I literally was like, you know what? Just go by yourself, which is something I'd never done. So I went to the Dominican Republic for four days. It was amazing. Had a ball. And that year, I also ended up going to Egypt, United Arab Emirates, Thailand, Mexico. Where else did I go? By myself. Like I went to the other side of the world by myself. I went to multiple continents by myself. And you were happy Had by I yourself? waited for a friend, I would have missed out on those. Were you happy by yourself on these vacations? Yes. I love my own company, right? But even beyond that, I remember in Thailand waking up and being like, I don't feel like doing anything today. I just want to go get a massage. I didn't have to talk to anybody about it. There was no like decision council. There was no like, what do you want to do? I got up and I went to get my massage and I sat there in my hotel room in this beautiful country, had a ball, just like watching TV. I, I worked on my first book. I did whatever I felt like. And then the day after I was like, I want to go get another massage. Okay, I'm gonna go. And it was so cool because How many times do we really just do what we want to do right then without having to think about anybody else's ideas, thoughts, opinions, none of that? How many times? And it was such a gift. It was such a gift to myself that really taught me that like the things that I need to do do not need a counsel. I don't need everybody's opinion to do that thing that I feel compelled to do. And it shifted just my habits. It shifted how I approach life in general and let me know what was my own obligation to myself. I love that. I love that because I think so many times we we live our own lives based on the thoughts, opinions and choices of others. Right. We can't. We do it very. We do it very often. Right. And subconsciously, too. We just don't realize it. And we often depend our happiness on others. And it's like, guys, if you can't be happy by yourself, like be okay sitting by yourself, doing stuff for yourself. And that's why I love when you said and talked about how you went on vacation by yourself. I was like, she's normalizing this. Do it. Like do the research, find out where it's safe for you to go as a solo traveler and go after COVID is over, of course, but go because If you are waiting, I I know somebody who's like, oh my God, I want to visit this place, this place, this place. And I said, so why haven't you? Ah, my husband doesn't want to go. Okay, so why haven't you? 
he ain't got to go. This He doesn't want to go. I res- respect that piece. You want to go? He also should respect that piece. But more, more importantly, you got to respect your own wishes and your own wants and your own desires and realize that you are the only one obligated to seeing it come true. Nobody else is supposed to be carrying your dream on their on their back and saying, I'm going to let this dream of yours happen. No, 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 no. It's your dream. Make it happen. Don't wait for people. We're spending so much of our lives waiting for other people. No, I, if, if I did that, my life would be completely different today. Like by far so different than if I actually said, I'm going to be listening to what other people want for me. I'd be, it would be so different. Did you struggle as um, a Nigerian with cultural expectations? Because I know for as an Indian, the fact that I'm unmarried, I'm, you know, not a lawyer, doctor, well, I'm a lawyer, doctor, scientist and all that, right? <laughs> the struggle and in, in, you get these looks and you get these opinions as like, listen, I'm good. I'm happy. What's up? You know, do you ever get that too? Let me tell you something. <laughs> Nigerians are the Indians of Asia and <laughs> Indians are the Nigerians. Like, like Nigerians are the Indians of Africa. Yeah. Indians are the Nigerians of Asia. We are very similar in our cultural expectations in the way we show up and even how we party. Like, I tell my Indian friend, who's also my jeweler, a really good friend of mine, I'm like, we're cousins. Because there's so much overlap in how we operate, how our parents operate, how we were, how we were raised, all of that. So, of course, like I grew up thinking I was going to be a doctor. Girl, that didn't happen. I got this dean chemistry, realized I don't even like hospitals, dead of the dream. But I remember I actually didn't tell my mom that I would drop my pre-med major. I think I knew earlier on that I actually wasn't supposed to be getting decision by counsel. There are different moments of my life where I realized I actually operated in a way where I'm like, you know, I probably shouldn't ask for everybody's opinion. And I got my degree in psychology, which is what I loved. And then I fell in love with marketing, but I didn't ask whether I could drop this major. I just did it. I didn't ask anybody like, do you think I should drop my major? I just did it because I knew it was right. I'm like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This pre-med thing is not what I should be pursuing. If I had asked other people, they would have told me to not quit it. Give it another try. Take another class. Take another chemistry class. Maybe that one would do better. Yeah. So think about the moments in your life when you are clear what you want to do. And then a conversation with somebody else pivots you away from it. Think about how it would be different if you actually trusted yourself and didn't go seeking that outside opinion that now changed your path. We got to trust ourselves more. I was talking to somebody who was like, I want to cut my hair. And every time I mentioned that I want to cut my hair, people freak out on my behalf. When she mentioned it to me, I said, okay, so do you want to cut your hair? Yeah, I really want to. Then why haven't you cut your hair? Because everybody's kind of say like, it's going to be harder. I just saw her on Facebook. She hasn't cut her hair yet. And I remember that conversation, how strong she felt about cutting her hair. And how she still hasn't done it because enough people have told her not to. And I'm just like, yo, when it was time for me to cut my locks off four years ago, almost five years ago, my locks were like mid back. Loved them. They were great. They looked so good. When it was time for me to cut it, I also didn't tell anybody. I just went to the barbershop and told him, cut my hair off. And he was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. He was like, say less. 
and cut my hair. I didn't even tell my now husband, then boyfriend that I was doing this. I just showed up at his house with no hair. And he was like, oh my God, I love it. Guarantee if I had said I wanted to cut it, he would have been like, are you sure? I don't know. But again, don't ask for the permission. Drop that major that you don't want. Quit the job you don't want. I mean, of course, you can save money and be a responsible adult. Make sure you have some safety net. But our culture and the people around us will often tell us what's possible for us. And we'll believe it. You know, if they say you should be a doctor, lawyer, architect, engineer, and you think that's all the options that you have, yes, you will actually convince yourself that that's what you want to go do. But what about all the things outside of that that you actually do want to do? There's so many people who are currently living out the dreams of their parents and are miserable for it. Oh my gosh. Miserable. So many. And and the worst part is the ones that have talents that they just hide under a bushel because they're like, nobody wants it. I'm like, if... How many people are successful actors and actresses and, you know, chefs and artists and musicians? And, you know, you may have that within you, but because your parents or someone told you to be a doctor, you're, you're doing that. And it's not saying that you're not doing a good job, but are you happy? Yeah. And I think one of the things that we have to contend with, we're so afraid of disappointing everybody else that I'm just like, but aren't you mostly afraid of disappointing yourself? Because I don't know about you. I am my own worst judge and critic. I am hardest on me than anybody else on this planet. And the person I don't want to disappoint the most is me. Like, I don't want to look in the mirror and be like, yo, you were supposed to do this thing. You ain't make it happen because you were afraid or you know, you didn't want to disappoint this person. And it's honestly why I wrote Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual, because I realized that my life would be so different, would be completely different than it is right now if I hadn't committed to that year when I turned 30 of doing the things that scare me and not looking for any opinions around it. How much that has shifted everything about my world it's significant. So when people were asking like, you know, what's going to be the follow-up to I'm judging you. And I was like, I don't think I should write. I'm judging you too, or I'm still judging you. I don't right. think I should write a sequel. <laughs> and I sat on it for a bit and it was like, I don't know what's this next book. What, what else do I got to say? And I did that Ted talk. And my journey to the Ted talk was in itself proof of what happens when you don't let fear drive you. It became super clear. Like, instantly clear what my second book had to be about instantly clear I was like that's it I remember the moment I think I was walking on a flight I was going on a flight to Paris yeah in 2018 yep when I got the full clarity of what this book was about um yeah and, and and I think it all comes down to that it comes down to that whole you have to Stop looking for the perfect time to do something, the perfect conditions to do something. No you got to start. Thing. stop thinking it's going to be easy to say yes. Odds are it's going to be really hard. And usually that is when you're supposed to do something. So that's a great segue for us to talk about this book. And I want to share something about why I wanted you on this show, besides the fact that you're great. I wanted you, <laughs> I wanted you because of this quote you put on social media. And this was uh, just after, I think, the election was won by Joe Biden yeah. and Kamala Harris. And you wrote, um, 
This book is dedicated to everyone who has been told that they are too much, too loud, too troublesome. It's for the ones who have found themselves in boxes that were too small because their dopeness was too big. I wrote mm-hmm. this book because I want a black girl or woman to pick it up and know she can be exactly who she is and still soar. My hope yep. with this book is that you read it and feel compelled to take up all the space in this world. I hope it gives you permission to dream audaciously too. As we see this past week, glass ceilings can be shattered. Powerful, powerful. And so I want to talk about this because, you know, when you look at the fear fighter manual, I know a lot of people knowingly or unknowingly are like, yes, I have fear in me and it's holding me back. I don't know what it is, but there's something. So let's talk about why you started the book. We talked a little bit about it and how it became crystal clear for you, but why is this such an important topic? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember writing that caption and being like, yep, that, that's a way to distill mm-hmm. why this book was important. And, and I like to create things that I need. So 18 years ago, I created the blog that I wanted to read. Um, five years ago, actually almost six now, I wrote the book that I wanted to read, a book that would make me laugh, a book that would make me think. Um Love Nation is the community that I want to exist in. So I like creating work that I need because I know if I need it, other people also will have find value in it. And that has never led me astray. This topic of fear fighting. So book one was the do better manual. Book two is the fear fighter manual. For us to do better, we're going to have to do some scary things. That is very clear to me. You know, so this book is the how to book one's what. And um, fear fighting is important because fear is a universal emotion. But we're all thinking that we have almost like, like as if we're the only ones going through fear every single day, as if we're the only ones encountering all these scary situations and things that bring doubt and anxiety things that you're unsure about. And one of the things that I think human beings need the most is community and to not feel like they're by themselves. And in the, in the book, I talk about my story. I talk about my grandmother's story because I center her in, his, in this book as the professional troublemaker who I saw growing up. Like what happens if we are given permission, not just told we can dream audaciously, but like told, I need you to dream audaciously. I need you to be too much. I need you to fail loudly. I I need you to speak the truth. And that's what I want this book to be. Because I think about my journey. I think about the times when I have been afraid in really significant moments. And what happened when I said, you know what? I understand I'm afraid. I'm going to do that thing anyway. Like I didn't call myself a writer for a long time because I was afraid of what the title meant. Like I was afraid of, okay, if I'm a writer, does that mean I have to write in a certain way? Do I have to write novels now? Like Toni Morrison's a writer. Does that mean I have to like be in the same type of atmosphere as she is? And I can't do that. So all that's all of that fear. I, you know, this is the book that I needed when I got that D in chemistry and it was like, oh God, oh no, I can't be a doctor anymore. The book that would would have told me, okay, so what you going to be like? pick something else or just try it out and see what happens, you know? So that fear fighting piece is really important because 
if somebody needs the permission to stay scared, this is that. Stay scared. It's fine. You can, because courage comes with the fear when you move, right? The action. You can't be courageous if you're not afraid first. If you do something because it's easy, that's not courage. Courage is when you do it when it's scary. And that's what I hope people take from this. And already the best case scenario has happened uh, with this book. With everything that I create, I hope people see themselves in it. And I hope they walk away knowing that today they can do something different. And my editor's life has already been changed by this book, which lets me know, oh shit, I'm so excited for other people to read it because I'm excited for them to report back to me what this book pushes them to do. Absolutely. That's that's why I'm excited because I think, you know, when we talk about um, dream chasing, when we talk about pursuing your passions, just living your own life, permission is tied up in it so much because yeah. I think people think, you know, you're fearless, that all the people who are doing what they want are fearless. And here you are saying, nah, it's not it. That's not it. You're not you're not understanding it correctly. Pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah, like I think the conversation about fearlessness is often flattened. Be fearless. You, you know, you hear it and it's like, be fearless. And you just think you wake up one day and you go, great, today I'm going to be fearless and I'm going to do all the things. <laughs> no. And I think that's part of the reason why people feel so strange about being, you know, about saying that they're afraid because they're like, everybody else is so fearless. No, they're not. No, they're not. Let me tell you, they're not fearless. I consider fearlessness to be not doing less because of your fear. That for me is fearless. When you commit to being afraid, but charging forward regardless, that is fearlessness. It's an action. It's not the emotion of you wake up and nothing scares you. It is, I am going to still do the thing that scares me. It's it's funny because I think, um, you know, when we talked about heroes and the thing like that and how people put them on a pedestal, it's because I think of that misconception that they are fearless and people think, hey, they've been able to do so much because they don't have that fear where the truth of it is they embrace their fear and they did it anyway. And so as you're writing this book, I did have uh, it's a it's a random question. So your U.S. book is called uh, the Fear Fighter Manual, but your international book is the Fear Fighter Manual Lessons from a Professional Troublemaker. What's up with the difference, just slight difference in title there? They switched it up. So, <laughs> so yeah, U.S. is Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual. U.K. is the Fear Fighter Manual, Lessons from Professional Troublemaker, because they thought that in the U.K., the fear fighter of it all needed to lead, not the professional troublemaking of it all. Huh. And I said, you know what? Go nuts. If y'all <laughs> think that's what works, that works. And I didn't have, since they still kept the professional troublemaker in there, I let them have it. Right. But right. yeah, they just thought it would do better. And I said, okay. I just thought it was, when you, when you shared, it, I was like, wait a minute, that's slightly different. Like, yeah. I didn't know if it was a perception thing or. Yeah, something. I think it's a perception thing for them. I have no clue. Um, I think it is, but they, I think that's what it was. They were like, we like the fear fighter manual. We wanted to lead. And I was like, that's cool. So, I mean, at this point, it's interchangeable. Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual. My tagline being the Fear Fighter Manual is funny because for a long time, that's why I thought the title was actually going to be the main title. Uh, and as, as, as we were writing, as I finished writing it, I was like, I want Professional Troublemaker to lead. So, yeah. 
I, I love it because it suits you. It, it it does. I mean, just with the things you're doing, what you're still doing, um, you know, I know your life is going to be revolving around this for the near future, for sure. But it's suitable because you're building a generation of troublemakers. Amen. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's that's what dream chasing is, guys. I want you to understand that. And so before I let you go, lovey, I got to we got to do a new section. Hold on. All right. Let's do it. All right. Lovey, I got to ask you for so many people right now. What is the one thing they're probably doing wrong? as they try to chase their dreams? Mm. Hmm. That's good. There's a few things, but I'll, I'll say probably the first thing and the main thing is expecting it to be easier than it is. Um, and I think that's also where we have to be very clear what our purpose and our why is because when the dream chasing gets really tough and it will, because if it's something significant, usually something gets thrown in the path to like move you out the way. You have two options at that point to stay the course or to quit. Now, sometimes quitting is valid. If you have the realization that that's not the course you should be on. But if you're very clear that this is the course you should be on, stay the course. So expect it to be hard and know that you must commit. And then if you decide you don't want to commit anymore, peace out. But if it's actually the dream and not just like a distraction, stay the course. Love it. Love it. And the last one, what is one thing that these guys can do to chase their dreams today? One thing you can do to chase your dreams Write it down. I'm a huge advocate for writing down your dreams, um, even if it's in bullet points. I'm not saying you have to write paragraphs. I don't do vision boards. I do vision statements. So I think it's easier for me to just, even if it's a Microsoft Word document, even if it's a notes app on my phone, bullet points of what I want. It might be like short spurts, New York Times bestselling author. Okay, the second bullet point can be like vacation home, like whatever it is, write it down on paper. Just like you would if you are a vision board person, also do that. But I think everybody should just put it down on paper. Guys, that's the best thing you could do, honestly. Because I, I truly believe in out of sight, out of mind. If you don't have it written down, how are you going to remember? And you know what? This Here's a good part about uh, writing it down. Um, in the beginning of every year, I write down my goals for the year in like a... Um, in a, in a notebook. It's a notebook I've been using for 11 years where I only write my beginning of the year goals in that notebook. That is all it exists for. And you know what's funny is I forget what I write in the book. I couldn't even tell you what I wrote in the book last week. <laughs> and I think that's okay. I already wrote it down on paper. Whenever I revisit it though, I'll go, even though I actively forgot what I wrote today, somewhere in my subconscious it stayed. Because a lot of times I'll reflect back on it. I reflect back on it usually on the first day of the last of the next year. So I'll write in it January 1st, 2019. I'll check back on it January 1st, 2020 and write the new list then. Somewhere in my subconscious, it stays because I'll go back and go, hmm, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. So 
you don't have to think about like creating constant strategy for your dreams. Sometimes just put it on paper is the first step you got to take to at least put it out in the universe. Somewhere in you, you absorb it because I am, a, I am proof of it. I've done this 10 times and looking back on where I was is fascinating. It's fascinating. So yeah, write down your dreams, y'all. Don't be afraid of it. And there's actually a chapter in the book called Dream Audaciously. And that chapter exists to help you dream really big and not be ashamed of that. It's powerful, guys. It's powerful. Now, let's see if I can do this right. Um, you guys can check out the book. Be sure to pre-order it. It comes out March 2nd. Lovey, yes. outside of that, where can these guys go to find you on the interwebs? I am all, this is really nifty, by the way. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so nifty. I'm all over the interwebs. I'm super easy to find. I'm at Lovey everywhere. L-U-V-V-I-E. One word username on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. And join my community, Love Nation. It is a dumpster. It is a safe space in a dumpster fire world. And in there, if you ever feel like you need a palate cleanser from the world's crap, go into Love Nation. So I'm excited to connect with your audience and continue to do good work. I appreciate it. Thank you, love you. I know you're busy, so I appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for having me, Amy. You are so dope. Always show up. And I really appreciate you for it. So when you said come on the podcast again, I said, absolutely, <laughs> let's do it. And it was a bomb time. Thank you. There you have it, guys. That was Lovey Ajayi Jones. Didn't I tell you? Lots of nuggets were being dropped. Lots of them. And if you missed it, be sure to check out the show notes over at amyj21.com slash episode 240. That's episode 240. Now, I want to make sure you guys understood at least one of the things that Lovey mentioned. And that was courage is not being fearless. Courage is being afraid, but doing it anyway. That's so important for you guys. It's almost the foundation of chasing dreams. All right. So take that, work with it. it listen to this episode again and again. Soon as her book comes out, if you haven't pre-ordered it already, go out and get it. We're going to be giving out two copies, giving away two copies of Lovey's book once it drops. So be sure to check out AmyJ21 on Instagram for more details. All right, folks, that's it. Until next time, remember, don't stop. Keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.